Hey, welcome to the Pool Player Podcast brought to you by Pool Scene 365. I'm your host, Joey Ryan, and today we have a guest who's been a top regional talent for a long time in various places throughout the country. He's the 2003 U.S. Bar Table Champion. He's won nearly every major amateur tournament, including BCA, APA, and VNEA. He was Inside Pool Magazine's 2003 Amateur Player of the Year, and he's a two-time Colorado State Champion, four-time and reigning Minnesota State 8-ball champion. He's also a reigning M8 8-ball champion, and he won that title back in 2013 as well. And he's a multiple tour stop winner from the Planet Pool Tour and the Fast Eddies Tour. And I'm just so excited to have my friend Scott Tollefson with us. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Hey, Joe. Hey, good to be talking with you. Thanks yeah, man. Yeah, it has. It has. And, you know, one of the things I enjoy about doing this is I get to meet new people, but then I get to reconnect with old friends. And so, you know, I remember stopping out to Minneapolis and seeing you and we went out and hit some balls. And, yeah. you know, we haven't even talked in a couple of years, I think, but it's so great to connect with you. Yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, I always, like I said, I'm hoping to, you know, meet up with you in person sometime soon, maybe travel around a little bit and uh, stop uh, in Arizona, maybe. And sometime, uh, yeah, see what happens. Awesome. Well, I got to start with a question. I got to tease you a little bit. I saw this viral video of you and you're in this tournament and my goodness, I've always known you as a little quirky, but you're all over the place with this break yeah. shot where you're kind of going back and forth and up and down, you know, and my friends are showing me the video and they're like, check out this guy. And I'm like, I know that guy. He's a great guy. He's a great player. It's Scott Dawson. Yeah. What take us through what was going on when that happened, like the atmosphere, who you were playing. I think you might've been playing a top player like Fedor sure. Gorse or somebody. T tell us about it. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I wasn't even playing a whole lot right around that time. It was actually the only reason I played in that tournament was because Manny Chow called me and he was asking me about a tournament in Beloit, Wisconsin, and if I wanted to go to that. And and I was like, no, but there's this tournament in Minnesota that's a pro-am tournament and it's a big tournament. And you you know you can stay with me and uh, you know it's always great to see him. He's a good buddy of both of ours. And uh, yeah, yeah. So he came out and I was like, well, yeah, I'm gonna play in the tournament then. If you know, Manny's gonna play and I'm gonna hang out with them and and uh, you know just see what happens. I'm always capable, you know. A lot of times, just I'm a streaky player, so it's, it's you know I can catch fire if I just you know hit a few balls or for you know a little bit. And yeah, at that tournament, I I kind of got a slow start. But I had an easier draw maybe to get started. And um, and I was watching this kid from Russia that I'd just been hearing about and. He was playing my friend Jamie Pluta, and he just was—he just crushed him. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> he won a game, and I was just like, "Oh boy!" And and the winner of that match played the winner of my match, so I was like, "Okay, I got a this guy's real deal." And, uh, and then I found out later he became uh, the world nine-ball champion. I heard or watched. Sure did, yeah. And, uh, so I was like, "Wow!" So so I knew I was in for a real battle, and or you know, hopefully a battle, and. Uh, so I'm playing him, and like I said, I haven't been playing a whole lot, and I'm just streaky and nervous and quirky and fidgety and all that stuff to begin with. So <laughs> one of the world's best players, literally one of the world's best players, and um, you know I'm gonna get a little more nervous. You know I'm, you know, this Joe Schmo from Minnesota. You know, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm playing him, and I actually got a jump on him. I was up uh, five zero on him, and uh, he's all flustered and. It's like, who the fuck is this kid? You know, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, so he takes a bathroom break and comes back and um, we're playing the match and he kind of slowly kind of catches up a little bit. And uh, 
And one thing about that match, I'll say before I go into the whole break thing that the viral video, whatever, um, uh, Manny Chow actually had just been talking to me about this kid, Federgorst, and he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like one of the best uh, jumpers around. Like he just loves jump shots. And, and so I was like, oh, okay. So whenever I broke and I made a ball, but I didn't have a shot, I was like, oh, this kid's young. I bet you he's got an ego and thinks, you know, he's, you know, the shit with just jumping. So I'm going to leave him tough jump shots for a push out shot. And nice. so that's what I did. And of course he took him. He just fell for the bait. And I was just like, yes, he fell for my trap. And then he was, you know, at least most of the time, he might have made one of them, maybe. Um, but most of the time he uh, made a, like a good hit. And then I just ran the table. And so I got the lead on him and and then he kind of fought back and forth and so the score got to be nine to seven and and you know i'm not used to playing in you know the world's best players and so you know i hadn't even like i said I hadn't even been playing much and so my heart is just jumping out of my chest and i'm just kind of a you know nervous player anyway and my stroke is just you know not always that mechanically sound <laughs> you know i'm six foot five and yeah. so it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, stay unorthodox and maybe being generous. I'm trying to make it a little more, you know, stable and sound and, and all that stuff. And, uh, I don't know if you can see in the background, I got like a table here in my house and I got a mirror on the wall. So I'm going to, I just put that up. So I'm going to, you know, start trying to look, you know, <laughs> a little yeah. more like, a, uh, you know, a top pro or something like that. And, um, well, hey, Scott, I wouldn't worry about your style or your your fundamentals because look at all the titles you've won. Yeah. I mean, right. you're not going to do that if you're not a top player. So yeah. So anyway, so getting into it, this is the whole break thing. <laughs> this video that went viral because we were on the, the main TV and it was being live streamed. And um, so I was up 5-0. He comes back little by little, chips away. And then I end up, uh, I'm up 9-7. to seven, And unfortunately, the race wasn't to 9. It was to 11. And so, uh, so then I'm breaking or trying to break. And so my philosophy is, uh, that when we get stressed out or like for me, I'm nervous. And then I was especially stressed out being a huge underdog and, uh, our, our bodies and minds go into fight or flight mode. So your body wants to move. And so I'm not afraid of, you know, looking like an idiot. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. You know, I'm playing one of the best players in the world. I want to win. I don't care what I look like. I mean, I do, but <laughs> more than anything. You do so, now. Uh, you didn't so, back then. Like, you know, jumping around and, and like, I'm like doing stretches and, and I walk around the table before I break. And then, so then I go into my break and uh, I break from the left side. It was a, uh, you're not allowed to break from the box. You have to break from the sides. And so that was a huge advantage to me. And like, especially when I got to play Shane, you know, Shane's got this, you know, awesome break. Yeah. And wasn't allowed to break from the box. So I, I normally break from the side anyway. So this is just fine for me. And so so I'm walking around stressing out because I'm just so nervous. My heart's just beating out of my chest. And um, so uh, the reason I kind of start off from the right side of the table, even though I break from the left, is that it's really tough, difficult for me to find my stance. So I kind of do this little dance. I take a like one, two, three step, and then I slide backwards. And then once I, it's all about my placing my left foot, I'm right-handed. Um, I take one, two, three steps, and then I slide back a little bit. It's just really difficult to find that spot to place my left foot. And then I kind of replant my right foot after I find the place for my left foot. But a lot of times I do that <laughs> three-step thing, and then I don't find the right spot. Or I get down, it's like, no, this doesn't feel quite right. 
Yeah. And so then that I'll go back and do it again. Or sometimes I'll just, I'll get down and my breathing is just, you know, my heart's racing. I was like, I need a breath. I'm just going to take a couple seconds and just restart my pre-break routine. And uh, so that's what I did. And then I think my shaft was all a little sticky or something. So that's why I do this, you know, like that. Or <laughs> I'll like slap my pants or something. Yeah. To get anything off my hands or, you know, I use baby powder uh, still. Uh, I don't like the idea of using a glove or, you know, maybe I will someday, but it's just not for me right now. And so, yeah, so I was doing all that. And then as far as when I actually go to break, um, you know, a break's not really bad. It's just, um, I think one time as a joke, I over-exaggerated my break and just everybody laughed. And then it just, it didn't really stick, but it just, it comes back once in a while. And uh, so where my, both my feet leave the ground. Yeah. So it looks like I'm having like a seizure or a spasm. <laughs> so that's that's my story. Uh that's awesome. Did, yeah. did you uh I hope everybody did, appreciates this. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I I'm think they did myself, you know. You know, like I said, I've I've won a whole bunch of stuff, you know. If I hadn't, you know, people have been making fun of me for my dance or the way I play, you know, my whole life, just being lanky and you know, goofy, maybe I have a goofy personality too. I don't know, but you know, it works for me. Uh, I've won a lot of stuff, especially considering, you know, I've worked full time most of my life. And you yeah. actually kind of brought that up earlier uh, in an email or something about, um, you know, that I work full time. It was like, that actually made me think. I was like, what would I be ranked among people that work full time in the country? It's like, I bet you my rating would be a lot higher. Right up there. That made me feel better. So thank you for, you know, yeah. That. Hey, Scott. Yeah. And let me tell you, thank you for that honest answer about, you know, I think one thing, one of the reasons I love like Alex Pagulian so much is obviously he's an incredible talent, but I remember one tournament where he missed a really easy money ball. It was nine or 10 ball. I can't remember, but I mean, it was a super easy shot. He's going to make it a, a thousand out of a thousand times and he missed it. And they interviewed him afterwards and they were like, what happened? Like they were expecting him to, you know, come up with an excuse or the waitress walk by the table or whatever it was. It was a big tournament too. And Alex is like, I got nervous, you know? And I think so often in pool, like we kind of treat that as we're never supposed to get nervous. Like, oh, we don't want to be known as a dog or somebody who dogged it, but we've all dogged it. Everybody's dogged it, you know? And so I appreciate your honesty and just admitting to the fact that, hey, sometimes your heart is beating out of your chest in this game. And as as uncomfortable as that feeling is, it's also why we love it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, I mean, for me, it's, it's like I was actually just talking about this with some volleyball friends the other night. It was just uh, a lot of pros, you know, they, they work on their breathing and they're just very calm, cool, and collected. And that's what I would highly recommend to people. And here I am doing the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just... For me, it's just like, I got to get pumped up. I got to be like, let's go, you know? And, um, yeah. you know, I think it was kind of funny. I, I think when um, I was playing Federer, uh, Jason Klatt was playing in the match next to me. And I apologize, Jason, for being so animated and uh, distracting and all that stuff. It's just, you know, I was nervous, whatever. Um, but uh, I think this is when Federer went to the bathroom. And I was just like, I was just trying to stay like, pumped up and you know, fired up like <laughs> I want to like like relax and because I feel like if I relax then that's you know all your muscle memory is like a little different or that you need, you need to, I don't know 
Scott, it's just it's just who you are. I was like, you know, I was just like that by myself. You know, I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, it's, have our own things and, hey, it's just it, so. listen. It's it's yeah. just it's just who you are. I mean, even on this interview, you're hitting the phone. You're like you're so excited, you know. And I love that about you, you know. It's it's why when we were at tournaments together, you know, I choose to hang out with you, you know, because oh, yeah. you're just you're just an excitable, fun guy. And so, take us to that moment when you first started playing pool. You know, how did you get started? And you know, tell take us through that. Sure. So when I was young, I just didn't really have, like, I played a lot of sports, you know, baseball, soccer, football, whatever. I just wasn't any good at anything. Uh, I played tennis a little bit, and that's maybe the closest thing at the time. And, uh, and I was just so-so, nothing special. And, and I, thought, I, I feel like subconsciously or consciously, I was looking for something to just find, to connect with, or to be good at, or to identify with something. And then... <clears throat> I got my first job um, cooking pizzas at a place called Circus Circus in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And they used to have 18 holes of mini golf and they had taken nine of those holes out and made up basically a pool hall. Nice. Uh, they had like, I don't know, like 16, you know, seven, eight foot pool tables or something like that. And so they had weekly uh, $2 entry pool tournaments. And so I'd get so many free tokens with my paychecks and I was just like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for. <laughs> and you know just all the the social interaction that was just so much fun and just being able to learn and uh yeah it was just it was for me um so i was just hooked right away even though i had i actually had a pool table uh in the house growing up and i just played my brothers and friends and uh and that was fun and everything. I wasn't any good. It wasn't until I got that job at Circus Circus uh, that I started playing on the tournaments and started meeting people, started learning a lot of new things. So then I started uh, going to uh, pool halls after that and started playing in some, you know, cheaper pool tournaments, uh, how, just weekly tournaments. How old were you at that time? Uh, well, I was a teenager. So I was, uh, it was just before I turned 16 that I started working at Circus Circus. Okay. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so my teen years, uh, I started going to a place called University Billiards, uh, which I think is now called Two Stooges in Fridley, Minnesota, and uh, CR Billiards in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. That's where I play league now. And, and uh, so, yeah, just a lot of good memories. A lot of, got to play in a lot of tournaments, weekly tournaments, so they were cheap enough so I could afford to play in them. You know, I was making minimum wage cooking pizzas, so, you know, I was always broke. And uh, so, uh, so I have this, I have this, uh, theory it's not really my theory i just read about it in like a science article a long time ago and it's the two to one ratio rule and basically so i would play in like a tough tournament and i get my ass kicked and you know i kind of be paying my dues basically i guess you'd say and then but you know i didn't want to psychologically be defeated and uh so what i would do is i would play in leagues which i usually did well in um, and then I'd play in like B and C tournaments. So the top players would, weren't allowed to play in those. And I usually do well in those. And then, so, so that'd be like two things. And then I play in a tougher tournament that maybe costs a little more money and I get my ass kicked, you know, maybe I knock out a player that's a little better than me, maybe not. And I would just kind of pay my dues, but it's a two to one rule. So basically if, if this is your, 
you know, average level of happiness or contentment, whatever. So if you win like a game or let's say you're even cheering for a sports team, you they win a game or you win a game, your happiness goes up to here. But mm-hmm. when you lose, it doesn't go down to here. It goes down to here. So you have to basically win at a two to one ratio in order just to maintain. Huh. And so that always kind of stuck with me. I always, I always wanted to be psychologically content or, you know, well off or just happy. I didn't want to be miserable. Um, so like in a lot of pros, actually, I actually think they were miserable. You know, they paid their dues and I think psychologically they were miserable for a while, but yet they were paying their dues. And so they were getting their asses kicked over and over again, but they were learning. They would learn faster than I would with my approach where my approach was, I want to be happy throughout. And, um, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I've stuck with kind of my whole life. Really. It's just like, like as I get older, I play in pro events and, you know, not do very well sometimes. And then I, you know, do really well in amateur events or leagues or whatever. And so that was kind of a nice trade-off, that two-to-one ratio. I always kind of stuck with that, whether it was, you know, before I even learned or read about that science article, it just kind of stuck with me. So, yeah. I like that. It's like you were very, um, you were conscious of, you know, what the, what it could do to your psyche if you just went out and tested yourself every single time. Because that's the advice that a lot of people give you. You have to play against top players all the time and keep challenging yourself. But I got to tell you here in Arizona, we have an amazing amateur pool scene and you know, everybody uses the Fargo rating system Mm -hmm. and that's how they determine who plays in what tournaments and, and all that. And there's tons of tournaments and tons of options. And so my main complaint out here has been that there's not enough open tournaments, you know, because Every 590 Fargo has five other options that they can go to and play against people their own speed. And their counter argument to me is, look, I don't need to get my head bashed in every single tournament to become a better player. And they're right. They, they really are right. And I think you have a nice compromise, right? And your advice, if somebody else was going to do what you do would be, Hey, maybe play in a couple events where, you know, the, the competition is around your level. You can have some success and then take a step up every once in a while, every third tournament. And yeah, I like that. I like that. At what point did you know that this was more than just something fun to do and that you were pretty darn good at it and you had a chance to beat some really good players? Um, so in Minnesota, they had this, um, uh, chalk talk magazine, or maybe it was Minnesota pool players magazine or something like that. I don't remember. And they would, uh, have, uh, rankings or ratings for how players would do. You get so many points for how you did in each tournament. And I think men especially are very drawn to the rankings and just being ranked really high and everything. So that was good motivation for me. And, uh, so I loved playing uh, nine ball and nine foot. That's what I love to do. But in the tournaments, I would do really well in the bar table eight ball. And so there would be one list for the nine ball, nine foot tournaments, and then one list for the eight ball bar table. And I would always be really high on on (laughs) eight ball tournaments. And, you know, just kind of so, you know, not bad in the nine ball and on the state level. And um, so I was like, okay. So then, uh, yeah, I just kind of started doing better and better. And, you know, I just, I never really had any aspirations to turn pro or anything like that i just uh um you know maybe you know i didn't get married and have kids and uh you know um 
didn't have, you know, a ton of distractions. And so it was kind of like by default, I just played, pool, played a lot more pool than maybe most people would. And, uh, you know, I just loved the game for so long. I would just have it written on my calendar. I remember being at work plenty of times and I'd have a calendar on the wall and I'd be like, okay, I got a pool tournament this weekend, this weekend, and this weekend, but this weekend's open. What? I need to find a tournament for that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the game. And uh, I yeah. kind of miss that, you know, that uh, just fun loving, like, oh, I can't wait. And, you know, now I kind of more pick my spots and, and don't play quite as often and, you know, lost, you know, some of the passion for the game. And it comes and comes and goes, but I mean, you know how it is, you know, you've been playing a long time and it's really tough to uh, keep up that love for the game. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to excel at something like pool when you have other things going on. And and so I, I'm I meant to ask you about that. What are some of your other hobbies uh, that you do outside of pool? Uh, sure. So I like like last weekend, I went camping with some friends at, uh, at a reserve and uh, we just played sand volleyball or well, and grass volleyball, too. And it was just a blast. I just love playing volleyball. And it actually reminded me a lot of pool. Um, when I first started playing pool, it's just a lot of those same things. It's just, it's a competitive game and, uh, you know, I, I'm tall, so I have a, you know, an easy advantage there. Uh, where in pool, I actually consider being tall to be a disadvantage. Um, really? Players in the world are shorter and they can just kind of lock their legs or have a much more stable stance. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, so I, I play in a lot of, not a lot, but I play in volleyball leagues and, and I play in a tournament once in a while and. I just love the competition and uh, I wish I would have started it when I was younger. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's just, it's just a blast. It's good exercise. It's social. There's so much to learn, just like pool, you know, it involves a ball and, you know, it, you don't want to call it English and volleyball, but a big softer cue ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of similarities, but uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's my, my free time and uh, moving around a lot, doing, kind of ended up uh, flipping houses a little bit, somewhat unintentionally, like the company I work for. I've been with them for almost eight years now. Um, they moved from one location to another, and so I had to move, and um, I, you know, moved around the country, and so I had a house in Colorado for that I kept as a rental property, ended up selling that. I rental property here, bad tenants, sold that recently, and um, so, yeah, I've been Kind of learning to be handy, I guess, and which is something I've never been. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. but, you know, it's just kind of trial and error. You just, you just try to figure it out. And so, yeah. Well, first of all, I have to say that, you know, it was really tough competing against you in pool and you always got the best of me, but I can't even I imagine <laughs> competing against you in volleyball. Okay. Because, you, you know, people can't tell if you, if you haven't met Scott and you're just watching this video, he's a big guy. Okay. What are you, six five? Six five, yeah. Yeah, he's like six five. And I just can't even think of being at the net against you and having to get up and try to like compete with that. Having a uh higher point to start from. So Yeah. And you know, I, I find it interesting. I want to dive into this a little bit. The notion that you say that you think being tall in pool is a disadvantage. I never thought of it that way because there's a lot of times where I roll up on a shot and I have to pull out the bridge or stretch so far. I really think that if you take all the missed shots in my pool career, mm -hmm. a good chunk of those have been shots where I stretched and didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't get a bridge right. and I just reached out over the table and tried to like do something right. unorthodox. Right. And so I always thought that, man, if I were only like four or five inches taller, I'd be a better right. pool player, but you're telling, you don't think that's true. 
Well, it's trade-offs for for sure. Being taller is going to help you on some shots. Obviously, you know, uh, especially on a nine-foot table. And uh, you know, like I said, nine-foot is kind of my favorite game. I just I'm not that good at it because my stroke is kind of pokey, honestly, and it's just not one of the better strokes. But on a bar table, that doesn't matter. You don't need a good stroke on a bar table for most shots. And uh, um, so yeah, I mean, if you just look around at you know the top players in the world, I mean, look at the top. 50 players in the world and their average height is probably five foot six or seven you know really yeah, yeah. i never thought of I, that yeah that but that's just my opinion you know you know shane van bonies he's a little bit taller you know maybe six foot or something or uh you know johnny archer you know people say oh he's tall i was like no i stood next to him he's like five inches shorter than me and you know it's just like in even you know like six foot i mean yeah it's tall and whatever but i'm six five and that extra five inches and you know, long legs, long arms. So, I mean, I got to bend my front arm on a lot of shots. And then yeah. I, I just think of that as more room for error. And then my stance, I have to bend my knees more. So then my stance is going to be less stable. And I actually, I actually have to stand backwards. So instead of um, kind of having my right leg be right of my left leg, a lot of times my left leg is uh, farther to the right than my right leg. So I kind of got to stand backwards in order to get, you know, my arm free. Yeah. And uh, for a while, I, I stood more like most people stand, but then I had to angle my elbow kind of behind me and then cock my arm out. And it was just a goofy stroke. And that's why I was such a rhythm player, because that stroke is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, you know, you've got to you got to just find that, you know, Goldilocks zone where, you know, it just works. And it, that's just so tough to find. Um, yeah. When I was in stroke, I played great, but you know, how often are you in stroke? So um, I, I think you're being a little modest, Scott, especially about the nine foot tables, because I remember living in the DC area when planet pool was a thing and it was, it was hot there and you moved to town and nobody knew who you were. Yeah. And you started snapping off events against top players, yeah. you know, on nine foot tables. And so, yeah. you know, you can't do that if you don't have a stroke. I mean, you, you yeah. criticize your stroke, but I mean, they were some tough tournaments that you were running the gauntlet through and winning. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, nine foot is, is my favorite game. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely had uh, some success. I, I dabbled in playing with longer cues. I don't remember what I was using at that point. Maybe a, a cue that was maybe two inches longer. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had a, a lot of uh, success. It was kind of weird. So growing up in Minnesota, I played both uh, seven foot and nine foot, but mostly seven foot. And then I went to Colorado for six years and played mostly bar table, but some big foot there or nine foot, big foot, nine foot. And then I went down to Texas for a year and uh, they, it was really weird. They had like mostly eight foot tables. Unlike the past Eddie's tour, it was eight foot. I was like, what? It's like, <laughs> I got to adapt to eight foot. And then, so I moved from Texas to Maryland and that's where I met you. And I'm very glad to have met you. You're a great guy. And uh, we need to hang out more and talk more. Thank but you. Uh, yeah, so there, there was a lot of tournaments that were on nine foot there. It was actually most of the tournaments were on nine foot. So I was like, okay, I need to adjust. And so that was actually the really fun thing that actually helped my game was moving around so much because that made it more fun to meet new people and play in new tournaments. And that was just, that was just great for me. Yeah, so many good memories of, you know, Maryland or, well, everywhere I've lived, really. Um, but yeah, so... I don't know. I can talk about some nine foot tournaments if, if you'd like, or. Well, no, I, I just wanted to uh, just make sure the audience knows that you're no slouch on a nine foot table for sure. <laughs> yes, but I, I was going to ask you about this and you brought it up. So, so let's just talk about it for a second. I've always found that whenever I move to a new city, 
it's like my game takes a jump. So I've lived in the D.C. area, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, Florida. I've lived in Colorado, and now I live in Arizona. And it's like each time you get there, there's new players and new challenges. And you don't want to be that, you know, oh, this guy's not really that good, you know, guy that moved to town. You want to come into town firing. And so, like, when I first moved to Jacksonville, Florida, I played Neil Fujiwara in the first round of the big tournament there, and I beat him. And everybody was like, you know, heads turned, like, who's this guy? You know, and I ended up winning that tournament. I beat Dave Grossman, you know, uh, twice. You know, once for the hot seat and once in the finals. And everybody's like, you know, people are trying to put me in against him gambling. I'm like, I can't beat this guy. I just beat him two races of seven. I don't know how it happened. But and so, you know, do you believe that that by moving around, it's helped to elevate your game by getting experience with new players? 100 percent. It just it uh, re-energizes you. It gives you more excitement for the game because uh, like when I was in Minnesota before I moved to Colorado, I. I was playing the same people a lot of the time. And there are great people in Minnesota, and that's why I moved back. I mean, I love the culture here and the people. And uh, this is where I grew up, family, friends, and all that. But, yeah, like, uh, moving to Maryland, it was actually a funny story with Manny Chow, actually, our good friend. So um, so I, I got to go there, and I was just like, every time you move, it's just like, you got to, nobody respects you because nobody knows you. And then, so you got to build up that respect. You know, as pool players, we love to get respect or whatever. And we just want to prove to ourselves that we can do that, that we deserve that respect or that we can win tournaments. And you have to prove that all over again, yeah. uh, yourself or whoever you want to. And so, yeah, I moved to Maryland and, uh, you know, right away, I just played in some weekly tournaments and I met Manny Chow and, you know, I had a connection with him and, and I was like, he's a very good player. So, you know, I, you know, love trying to sponge up him and learn anything from him that I could. And, and it was funny, I went to, um, shortly after I moved there, I went and played at a uh, Planet Pool or Tiger Tour. I forget, I think it was Planet Pool at that time. Played in a tournament there. And it was a big tournament. Like John Schmidt was there. I think Mike Davis was there. You were there. I think you had a good tournament yourself. And um, uh, so at that tournament, uh, you know, Manny Chow, he just thought, you know, just kind of a, you know, a new guy in town. I just played kind of so-so. I didn't really do anything in, in the weekly tournaments too much right away. I was just kind of getting my bearings and, you know, whatever, learning to play nine foots again, maybe that was it. Yeah. And so I played in that uh, Blue Fox tournament and uh, and I played uh, Brandon Shop early in the tournament and I beat him and he's a very good player. And then um, I, uh, you know, squeaked past the matches. I, I think uh, Chris, I want to say Chris Adams, maybe. Did he? Yeah, yeah uh, he's living he out had, here. I think I played him in that same tournament. I think I played him first round. And I think I barely beat him like Hill Hill. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was lucky to get past that and whatever. And I, and I played another guy and I just barely got past him. And uh, and so I'm basically playing, you know, um, anyway, the tougher the player, the better I played. Yeah. And not that like, you know, like Chris Adams plays very well. And so does this other guy that I think is a Virginia State champion at one point. I can't think of his name, but the lanky guy with brown hair. But um, so I just barely squeaked by these matches. And then I, I played like Brandon Schaff, played really well against him. Um, and then I get to the winner side and I get to play John Schmidt. And I was like, okay, cool. This is a pro. And, you know, I don't know if he'd won the U.S. Open be- at that point or not. And I was like, you know, got a lot of respect. Heard things about him. Like he's gambling with basically anybody and everybody. And and I played him for the winner side and beat him 9-0. And this is on a nine foot. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, wow, I was in stroke. And all the roles and everything went my way and it was just like wow and did you say nine zero nine zero yeah and then wow. it, sean wilkie came through and beat him to get me play me in the finals and i beat sean wilkie 11 to 2 in the final oh, and wow. now 
He was like looking at me like I'm Stalin. <laughs> he thought I was a total hustler. <laughs> and then I was just like pretending to not play very well. And I just That's awesome. the tournament of my life and just played way over my head that day. And, you know, um, I just thought that was funny. That look Manny gave me <laughs> was like, you were lying to me. You were Stalin. <laughs> uh, you know, let me tell you something, Scott. Uh, first of all, Chris Adams is a good player. He lives out in Arizona now and he's like, I, I love talking to that guy. He's one of my better friends in the pool game like you. And, uh, so he lives out here now, but he used to run the diamond billiards in Midlothian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In, uh, Richmond and, uh, great promoter, great, you know, tournament guy, tournament director. And he actually owns a place out here, uh, called Jicky Jacks in the Phoenix area and real fun place. And, you know, Chris is just a great guy, but I got to tell you, you owe me for that John Schmidt match, because what you don't realize is I softened him up for you. Ah. So I, I literally was beating, I, I was winning eight to eight to zero against John Schmidt, eight to zero in the first round. I don't think John woke up yet, but I'm beating him eight to zero. And then it's like somebody just like, boom, uh, a switch flipped and John just went crazy and was running out from everywhere. I kicked twice from that point on, I lost nine to eight. And oh, so no. I was like, I was so in shock when you're beating somebody eight to nothing, you're supposed to win, you know, I like a hundred percent of the time. Oh, and so yeah. I remember after that, John like felt really bad about it. And so he asked me if I had a place to stay and I was like, no. And he's like, let's room together. And so John and I ended up room, rooming together that night. But yeah, I remember that. I remember that tournament and man, you came in and, and people were, you know, taking notice like, Hey, who's this Scott guy? Where's he from? And you know, all the whispers that you didn't hear you know, because they're about you. <laughs> I heard, yeah, yeah, I heard them. Well, so. Like for having a good tournament too. Like you, you should have beat John as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was the year. <laughs> this isn't about me, but I just have to share this because I think the audience might want to hear this. That was the year that I had been sick and tired of going to every pool tournament and beating the players I was supposed to beat and losing to the players I was supposed to lose to. What a like kiss your sister type of feeling that is right. It's like, you're not winning really. And so I decided that year that my goal wasn't to win one. It wasn't to, but my goal that year was to beat one player in every tournament. And we had them about once a month, beat one player that I wasn't supposed to beat. And I have to tell you that in that tournament, I ended up beating Brandon Schaff. And I think I beat Matt Clatterbuck in that tournament, but that whole season, exactly like I, set my goal. I beat a player every single tournament I wasn't supposed to beat. And it felt so great. Now I wish I could have maintained that throughout the whole tournament. I didn't, but you know, I, I was feeling pretty good about attaining that goal. So that's something for the folks that are listening. You know, you put yourself on this hierarchy of players that are out there that you're supposed to beat and players you're not supposed to beat. And it's like, you've already played the match in your mind. And so if you can kind of flip that script and say, I'm going to beat one player in this tournament I'm not supposed to beat, you'll find that you'll start doing that. And it's really fun and really cool. Well, you gotta, but, yeah, you kind of got to, uh, I don't know if you call it flip the script, but uh, you got to mentally work it out so that you're excited to play better players because you have an opportunity to beat the better players. And so like at that tournament where um, I lost to Federer Gors, uh, I came back the next day and I beat Danny Olson, who's a, you know, solid pro. And then I, I, they told me I get to play Shane Van Boning. I was like, yes, that's, you know, that's what I want. I want to play the best players. It's like, how often do I get to play, you know, especially in my hometown, basically. Yeah. And 
and uh, yeah, I was just uh, pumped up to play him, and, and then I just played just out of my mind, and uh, ended up beating him nine to four, and that was such a nice relief after you know looping up ten to seven on Feder, and then dogging a combination <laughs> to beat him. It's <laughs> actually a funny story on how I lost. Uh, I'll dabble on that if you, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, so I'm up 10 to 7 and raised to 11. And uh, I think he broke and I think he scratched and he left me a combination shot on the 10 ball. And it's like, I feel like I'm going to make it 75% of the time. And then I'm just like telling myself and uh, when I get down, I was just like, just shoot it nice and easy. Give it the best jam- pocket speed. Don't try to hit it hard. Don't let because the pockets there were fairly tight. And and then the last second, I had this like you know voice like telling me like oh you gotta try to play safe too. And I was just like no 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 I don't want to play safe. And I just had this inner argument in my head. And, uh, <laughs> and finally, I decided to put some draw on it and play maybe get a safe or something. Um, and so some I do this really weird thing sometimes when I put draw on a ball and like and this is. I was super nervous and super drunk. And um, uh, so anyway, I squatted down, like I, I shot the shot and then I like ducked down and I kind of started to fall backwards a little bit. And I grabbed the corner pocket to kind of balance myself. And I think that jarred the 10 ball. No way. It was a 10 ball tournament and the 10 ball was going in as I was willing to grab the table to hold myself up. And I think I screwed myself out of the match by grabbing the table. It was, it was just so dumb. I mean, I think that's what happened. I don't know how good my memory is. Like I said, I was drinking. But yeah, uh, yeah. that's yeah. crazy. That's a crazy story. I mean, what if that cost you the match? That's nuts. I think it did actually. I, I didn't never watch the actual video or whatever, but uh, yeah. I'm sure it recorded. I think it was like big truck or something recorded that. But yeah, uh, I did watch the full match. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so you brought up you brought up uh, drinking, and I want to ask you about that because sure. you know there's a lot of players out there that they completely abstain from drinking during a match. They think that, you know, a beer or two will completely throw off their, their rhythm, their concentration. But I know personally that there's been times when I've been in tournaments and I'm really struggling and you know, it's the weirdest thing when you're playing pool sometimes, like some days you go out, you practice great, you get out there and it's game time and you got nothing, you know, and it's, you can't explain it, you know? And so when I'm having those days, it's like, sometimes if I just have a beer or two, Everything loosens up and I start freewheeling and I start playing well, you know, and I've noticed because we've been on teams together um, that, you know, you'll drink beer when you play pool. Do you feel like that that helps you that, you know, it's something that is a positive for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like recommend it. I'm not looking for a sponsorship from Bud Light uh, or Golden or anything. (laughs) You know, I don't recommend it. It's just uh, basically I made a very conscious decision. Like in my 20s, like I didn't drink like at all. Like I think this might surprise people, especially in the pool world that that know me. I'm just like whenever I'm playing a pool tournament, I'm drinking, or at least when I have. I'm very disciplined. Like generally, I only drink when I'm playing matches because I drink like a fish when I'm playing the matches. I can't keep that up i'm a kind of a lightweight really so um but for some reason when i'm playing matches uh i can drink a lot more than i would if i wasn't playing pool Uh, it's it's almost like your adrenaline is burning it off quicker or something yeah Uh, it's something about that i I, uh so in my 20s like i didn't drink at all and i remember telling my teammate and friend tony zierman i was just like you know tony i think i'm gonna start drinking and I literally said that because I was just playing in pool tournaments and it'd be like Hill Hill in a match or something. And those of you people watching that don't know pool, 
much about pool hill hill means it comes down to the last game like in a race to seven it's uh six games to six games and whoever wins that game wins so hill hill and i just remember being really nervous in that spot and i and i lost a lot of matches hill hill in my 20s and i just i wasn't confident i was too nervous i was too stressed out whatever it was and i was just like you know i i just need to figure out a way to relax and you know i tried breathing exercises and whatever and i'm just like nothing was really working and so for me i i started drinking and figuring out um you know, it's one thing about like drinking beer is that you, I learned to kind of gauge myself. Like I knew where I was at and I just wanted to take that edge off. And it's kind of embarrassing saying this, you know, I don't like the idea of feeling like I need to rely on alcohol to help me through, you know, stressful matches or whatever. I wish I was better at, you know, remaining calm, cool and collected, but I'm just not, I'm just a nervous guy under pressure, I guess. And, um, I wish I had more confidence or whatever. And, and, uh, Maybe I should, I just, I just don't. And so what I do to kind of relieve that stress or that nervous energy is, is I just have some beers and the more nervous I am, the more, more I drink. And it's actually, I, I hate saying this cause I don't want like, no, to hold this to anybody. But uh, the, you know, the, the more I got used to drinking while playing, I just, I won a lot of tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, are positioning for a Bud Light endorsement. I feel it, but you know, let me let me tell you this, Scott. What I appreciate is you just being real because that that is real, you know. And I think so many times, especially in a situation like this, people might want to try to put a a different face on and tell people what they think they might want to hear. But no, you're just who you are. And that's one of the right. things that makes you great. And I love that. A couple reasons that I'm doing this. Uh, one is to promote great players like yourself and let people know about you. People have seen that video that we mentioned earlier. But I want them to know the real Scott Tolleson. You know, I want them to know all about you and what you think. But also I want to see if you have any advice to provide to those players, especially the ones that are like up and coming players. You know, anything that you can share with them you know, to help them. Maybe it's a technique, maybe it's something mental, you know, something, something that could, they could grab onto and use that to become better players. Sure. So like one thing I would say is to uh, visualize yourself running out and to uh, be confident, uh, believe in yourself. Like one thing that really helped me a lot uh, when I was younger was playing uh, Rob Matson uh, moved from North Dakota to Minnesota and we got on the same team and we won a couple of national titles at the BNEA together. And he's just one of the best team players I've ever seen. He would just always, we put him first and he'd always break him on that first rack and it was just awesome to get a good start. And uh, he would just, he just had this confidence and I was just like, that's what I've been missing. That's the secret. You know, I was just like, that's, you know, I, I put in the hours, I, I want to win, I, I got all these other things, I checked all the boxes, I just didn't have the confidence. And like playing with him or seeing that, he was just a confident motherfucker. <laughs> I like, couldn't believe it. I was just like, he's so confident. It's like, damn, I wish I had that confidence. I was such a better player. And uh, that actually elevated my game, just hanging around him and just seeing uh, that confidence that he had, I was just like, that's what I've been missing. And so I just really made a point to try to be more confident, to believe in myself, to, I mean, you can't just want to win. You, you have to believe it. You have to, even if you, you're lying to yourself, just like you're playing Shane Van Boning, you just got to tell yourself, I can win. I deserve yeah. to win. You know, you just, you just have to find a way to believe that. 
and make it happen. And yeah, I love not second guess yourself. I love that. I love that because I think you're right. Sometimes, it, like we talked about before, you're rating yourself against your opponents, and you're a lot of times already deciding who you're going to beat and who you're going to lose to. You know, right. but if you if you can trick your mind, that's what I did that one year is I, you know, I'd go up to play a guy like Manny Chow and I would tell myself I'm supposed to win. It's the biggest lie ever. <laughs> Manny's <laughs> Manny's a great player. He's supposed to crush me. But if you tell yourself that you have a much better chance of actually getting right. there. So I, I love that. In terms of the good players that are out in the Minnesota area where you live or or even, you know, out in the, the northern central states like that. Who are the better players out there that you run into on occasion? Sure. So um, hands down. Um, so I, I've won the state championship here in Minnesota last three years in a row, and I won the regional MA tournament. But uh, the fact is, like, uh, Jesse Angle, who, in my opinion, and I think most people's opinion, is uh, hands down uh, the best player in Minnesota. You know, he's played in pro events. I, I think his team won that um, – three-man pro league, whatever it was called. There was a name for it. I can't think of it right now. Was it but, bonus ball? Was it? Yeah, bonus ball. Yeah. Exactly. I'm pretty sure his team won that. And um, <clears throat> yeah, he just, I watch him play and he's just got the mental game. Like you can't really get in his head. I mean, not much, you know, I, I did actually have a good record against him for a little bit when I first moved back to Minnesota, which I'm proud of, but he was pretty young and it didn't take very long. And then, and then he got my number, which he should. You were, you, He's just so solid. You were like two and zero oh against him. <laughs> <laughs> now you're ten, well, two right. and ten. <laughs> now he's he's a great player. He he spent some time in Jacksonville, Florida, and oh. uh, yeah, and I got to watch him play, and and just a great player. I didn't know though. I don't see him out playing much. Is he is he playing a lot now? No, not a whole lot. He uh, he's got his own business now and uh, doing his own thing and. Uh, I mean, he hasn't given up on pool by any means. Like he did an exhibition where I think he played Danny Olson and Southern Minnesota or South Dakota or something like that in a challenge match like a year or two ago. And mm. so he'll still get out there once in a while, um, but just not as much. But he's still definitely capable. Like I, I've definitely seen that. And just uh, a lot of respect for his game um, and just his mental his mental game uh, as much as his actual game, physical game. Yeah. Both. You know, everybody knows that. It's just like it's you got to have both. And uh, beyond that, uh, like Demi Gelatis is another one. It's just like he's a great player. And I think by Fargo rating, those are the top two in the state. And I'm, I'm actually third, which I don't know if I deserve to be, but uh, I'm at third right now anyway by Fargo. Um, uh, so like Demi, he just doesn't get out a lot. I don't think I, maybe I think I've heard he might be giving lessons now. Maybe he's getting back into it and traveling a little bit. I don't know. You got young, some younger kids, uh, TJ Steinhaus, who's a teammate of mine. Uh, you know, he's an up and comer. Uh, he sticks with it. Uh, you know, he just, he's got a very good mental game as well. Uh, you got Michael Perrin Jr. Who's, uh, he's a beast as well. Um, you know, a few other players, uh, you know, just on any given day, you know, it's like, who's having the better day. Um, yeah. a lot of great amateurs, uh, or, you know, maybe even low level pros in Minnesota. Um, yeah, just a lot, you know, not, you know, the, for some reason, uh, Minnesota hasn't really produced a whole lot of, like, top pros. Like, you know, Bull Runnigan is from Minnesota. He's, he's a pretty good player. Um, you know, Jimmy Watts used to be pretty solid. I don't think he plays much anymore. Um, but, yeah, just tons of top amateurs. I know you said Arizona was very good. Uh, yeah, Minnesota is great. Like, Minnesota does very well in Vegas. And 
um, yeah. singles and team events, and and always has. Uh, but for some reason, on the on the pro level, you know, I haven't haven't produced a ton. I know there's a couple of younger girls, uh, April Larson and Taylor Hansen, yeah. um, that are you know gonna do very well if they stick with it. So I think April's already got third in a women's pro event, so you know, watch out for them. Yeah, I met April in Vegas uh, a couple years ago. Great player and just a great sport. You know, we played her team. My team played her team. And uh, I was just really impressed with the way she carried herself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just just top notch. Um, so we have the this event out in Arizona. It's kind of modeled after the Moscone Cup, where basically the east side of Phoenix plays the west side of Phoenix. And it's, you know, the same thing as Moscone in terms of like singles matches, doubles matches, team matches, all that. And recently, uh, we started a series where uh, Phoenix is playing Las Vegas and that's happened for two years now. And uh, I know Colorado has had a thing where they're playing Wyoming. And so one thing I'd love to get together, maybe you can help me is, you know, figure out a way that Minnesota could play Arizona or something. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, like I know you guys got a lot of talent. We have a lot of talent here, you know, and we just get the talent together, 10, 10 people or 12 people, whatever it is. And we just duke it out. And for bragging rights, I mean, you know, I think that'd be kind of cool. Oh, for sure. Well, I can tell you, I just uh, hopped on a team for VNEA. If uh, you get a team to go out there, maybe we can set something up. Uh, so uh, the players I'm going to play with are TJ Steinhaus, uh, Jamie Pluta, Rob Matson, and Tim Tuntum. So uh, Wait, these are all the guys you were telling me are champions. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm champions. And, uh, okay. So gonna yeah, that should be that should be a good team. That kind of reminds me, and and I was going to ask you about this. Um, you know, you're a guy who, despite like all the success you've had, you know, and, and winning regional events and things like that, you're still a guy that wants to get together with four other dudes, you know, and, and play a team event or play league or, you know, uh, scotch doubles with a girl, you know, you're always in that kind of action. And I think that's really cool. And it's so much different than a lot of players uh, around your level. Like if you look at people at your Fargo rate and above, most of the time, they don't really have time for leagues or anything like that. They're thinking, let's gamble. You want to gamble? Okay, we can gamble. But they're not going to play BCA or VNEA. So, like, what's your take on that? And, uh, you know, why why do you enjoy that so much? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I kind of had some conflicting thoughts on that. You know, sometimes I enjoy it more than others. You know, honestly, I'm not a great team player. Like, I'm a very good singles player in tournaments. And, uh uh, for whatever reason, I, I think it's because I'm more of a generally been a rhythm player. Like I like to be at the table a lot. Um, where in team events, a lot of times you have to sit down for 10 minutes in between games, and that mm-hmm. just makes it very difficult and a little less fun, a little more stressful. And I think part of the, uh, one of the things, uh, another theory, or I don't know if you call it a theory, but there's this thing called mirror neurons. So when you're watching a teammate play, these mirror neurons in your head make trick your mind into thinking that you're playing that game and that you have the stress of that game. And so I actually, sometimes in team events, I actually don't watch my teammates play all the time because I like to step away and just kind of relax and then come at the table fresh. And uh, that seems to help a little bit. Um, I I like the the social aspect of it, I guess. Like I have a lot of good friends that I'm on teams with and actually my M8 team here in Minnesota, like we've won the M8 state, I guess it's regional team tournament three years in a row now. In the last couple of years, it actually paid like 19,000 or 18,000 wow. something like that for the team. So 
you know, we got 3,800 or something like that a piece. So that's good money. So that's not like, I'm not doing anybody a favor. <laughs> yeah. know, I'm playing for the money, but honestly, I love, I love playing league. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, my league teammates are my buddies and, uh, yeah. I love those guys and, uh, I'm going to be on a couple different teams at least this year, uh, for V or Valley leagues. Uh, so we can go out to the VNEA and then I have an M8 team, um, which is mainly just for M8, uh, tournaments and stuff like that like i said i mean it pays very good and we don't even have to travel that's right what is the what is the m8 scat just so people know um so it's just a it's a league that's been around in minnesota for a long time it's basically just stands for minnesota eight ball oh, okay. uh, but i think they're trying to expand into other states i think they might have even had some leagues down in texas at one point um and i, I don't know how that's going you know I, I so it's kind of like a regional tournament but mostly minnesota and uh they just have really good money it's a little bit more expensive uh for league i think it's 15 bucks a week to play but um like for my team most of us are rated at the the max handicap and so you race to your handicap and you keep track of all the balls and stuff and it's a little bit of annoying keep track of all you know all the balls you make and all that stuff but it's the best league out there you get to play like we basically play uh 10 games or, or uh, we race to 10 to get to our handicap because we're rated 150 and then um some of the my teammates and i uh like we've done so well that we actually if we're playing somebody that's rated 100 and we're 150 and you get one point per ball and then eight points for the eight ball um we actually had to spot them like 20 percent. they get a 20 percent discount so if they're okay rating they only go to 80 and we go to 150 so actually almost double their uh rating or you know um but that just it makes it really fun uh it's it's the best handicap league out there everybody's always going to complain about handicap that people are sandbagging or this or that and it's just you get to play a lot of games it's it's very competitive pool it's very good money at least at um you know the end of year tournaments and they also have some like mvp tournaments and stuff like that but uh it's just a great league i highly recommend it to anybody well, I can honestly say that you are a great teammate because we had the pleasure of playing on a team together. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget the way you treated me when I had the best match of my life. So I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget that. You know, um, it, it was uh, uh, I was playing. We were playing a good team from New England. OK. Yeah. And uh, I knew uh, the guy that I was playing was a good player. His name was Kevin Guimon. And I think he lives in Texas now. But, you know, yeah. good, good player. Sure. And we're playing the APA Masters. And so when you win the leg, you have the option to break or to play the game, eight ball or nine ball. And uh, he won the leg and he chose eight ball. And it was just one of those days where everything was clicking. Uh, and I broke and uh, ran five eight balls. And I broke and ran two, two nine balls. And I'm kind of a guy that I'm not fist pumping or going crazy. But when Scott charged me, it was like, what? You <laughs> ran the set? It was like... Oh, yeah. It was just like, it felt so good, you know, and I really appreciated your support and, you know, especially a player of your caliber to be so happy for me, oh, yeah. you know, that just meant the world to me. So I've never oh. forgotten that. And, you know, I still to this yeah. day, you know, it's it's a shame I haven't done more seven packs because I still talk about that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the only one I ever get to uh, talk it's, about. It's so rare. And then not only that, but to be against a great player and, you know, fairly good size tournament and you know i felt so bad it's just like uh for whatever reason at that tournament i was just a dog i yeah. just couldn't find my stroke i couldn't do anything and you know normally i'm pretty good in tournaments i get fired up and and whatever i i grind it out i figure it out and for whatever turn 
whatever reason that tournament i just couldn't figure it out and um just uh i couldn't find my stroke and uh you know i lost to a decent player matches after that match that we won because you put a seven pack on their best player (laughs) (laughs) well you know we ended up finishing i think fourth fifth and the set if you remember the set we lost i want to say i was up like six to two and lost seven to six and then you were up like Right. six to three or six to two and lost seven to six it was nuts it should have never happened we finished right. like fourth or fifth we should have won that thing right anyway yeah, we definitely had the best team hands down and i die yeah our third player who we were bringing in as the third player was brian deska who right. if you followed him the last several years and not recently but before that he's winning all kinds of events oh, in the wow. dc area i mean he was a, he was probably playing better than both of us you know a couple yeah. years ago And, uh, you know, so yeah, that was, that was kind of crazy that we didn't get there, but anyway, I digress. Uh, we were supposed to have four of us and then I think they kicked out Manny because they they, did Manny Chow. Yeah. They knew better. (laughs) And they were right to do, but you know, I actually got kicked out of APA one year too, when I won the national APA eight ball. And, uh, I think that was like one year, uh, I, I, quit my job like shortly before that tournament and I played in a, a, another three-man tournament APA that year later and um, uh, yeah they sent me a letter saying that you can't play in APA anymore because uh, we consider you a pro because your main source of income was pool and technically they're right and then I think <laughs> they let me back in because I had a job or something it was a very short period of time where I didn't have a job but most of my life I've always worked full-time but yeah, the one year I didn't work full time, I won was it four national tournaments? So like uh, you, you got the dreaded letter. Sorry, yeah. sir. You cannot play. Let me so one of the first interviews I did, actually the first one was Mike Davis. And uh actually that one just aired. And so um Mike had, you know, I asked him how he thought it went, and he said, There's one question you should ask everybody. And so I'm asking everybody this one question. So if you don't like the question, blame Mike. Uh, what is your highest high and your lowest low in pool? Highest high? Um, well, that had to be um, like winning the US bar table nine ball, um, like beating Jose Perica twice during that. And uh, I heard he was trying to like imitate me after a friend of mine <laughs> said, like he was like running around. I was like, yeah, I can't beat him. He plays like this. I know I can't beat him. <laughs> I, 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 I heard about it and I just thought that was hilarious. So that was like one of my highest highs. Uh, like you know, just beating like a top pro, um, uh, like that, or or like winning the M8 regional this year for five grand. It was just that was a goal of mine. Um, you know, I didn't plan on traveling much, and I was like, okay, so that's a by far the biggest tournament locally that you know I could win. I would just, uh, you know, I beat my teammate, a couple of teammates of mine, uh, and I just had like three matches that I played almost perfectly in, and it just felt really good about that. Uh, my lowest lows, um, so like there is just there again, it's just the sometimes I just have this lack of confidence, and so I remember playing. Um, I mean, this is more of a recent memory, I guess, but playing for the winner side of the state tournament. And I've won the state tournament the last four to six years in a row. And this was one of those years that I didn't win it. And I was playing for the winner side and I was just nervous. I just couldn't get over it. I just wanted the match to be done. I was just like, had this horrible attitude. I wasn't positive, optimistic, confident, anything. And I just rushed a shot because I was sick of dealing with the pressure and the stress and and then I dogged it and it just felt so bad. And um, I guess another 
a little, like, I actually took a year off of pool back right around 2014. I wasn't playing a whole lot. And a lot of the tournaments here in Minnesota uh, became handicapped. And those are the biggest tournaments uh, locally here, regionally. And I got a little frustrated. I was playing these tournaments. I just wasn't putting in the time, so I wasn't playing as well. And yet I was still playing uh, basically a pro handicap level where I spot in players like three games and race to eight or whatever. They're very solid players and stuff like that. And it just got frustrating and, you know, just stressful. And it was just like, why am I doing this? And so I actually took a year off and just regrouped and just, you know, slowly kind of came back into it. And um, I shouldn't really say slowly because I had a lot of success as soon as I yeah. kind of back into it really you know started playing some tournaments or you know i thought of it as dabbling but i just had really quick success which surprised me actually sometimes we need a break you know and coming yeah. back off a break it's like we're refreshed and yes. we forgot some of our bad habits and we just get the love for the game back right. and so yeah especially if it's not too long a break you know six months eight months and then you come back, you're like energized again. It's like you're a little kid again when you first fell in love with the game. So yeah, who would yeah. you who would you say is your biggest rival? Um, you know, I, I haven't been playing a ton of tournaments. I've been playing in the bigger tournaments around here. Like uh, I played in a thousand dollar entry tournament in Duluth, I think that was last year. And the state basically the state tournaments or the regional tournaments and not really a whole lot else. Um so I wouldn't really I don't know that I really I'd have a rival right now. I know like uh, Jared Frieders from Iowa. I know we seem to match up a lot in tournaments and, you know, towards the end. And, um, um, you know, I have a pretty good record, I, I think, against you know, most of the good players around here. But for some reason, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I beat him, you know, plenty or whatever. But, you know, I, I might actually have a losing record against him. And so, yeah. uh, but, you know, I feel good about, you know, the you know, other, you know, top players around the area that I've played against. And so, uh, you know, you're always going to have somebody. It's it, Nobody's perfect, you know. <laughs> yeah. going to be better and, you know, can't win all the tournaments all the well, time. I know you had a challenge match against TJ a couple of years ago. I remember watching that match. Uh, you know, he's he's a good player. I mean, oh. that was that was definitely gambling, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we... Uh, each put up uh, 500 bucks and we played a race to 30, uh, nine ball and nine foot. And, and I just don't even play much nine foot uh, right now. I don't know. I don't know if he did either. He probably didn't either. Because most of the pool halls around Minnesota now are seven foot. So, uh, but, you know, I, I actually felt like the underdog, even though I think a lot of people thought I was the favorite. But, I mean, I knew I probably wasn't. And uh, uh, I just I stayed at my uh, good friend's house uh, down in that area. I was down in Mankato. And it's at the Cato Q Club, which I think is closed now. Um, my friend Todd Katzenberger let me stay at his place. And he had a, ni a nice nine foot in his basement. And so I went there down there on a Friday night. And I was just like, you know, I, I worked all day Friday. You know, I got a full-time job. And I was just like, you know, I don't even feel like playing. I'm just just going to go to bed. And so I went to bed. And and the whole next day, I just I just practiced on a nine foot. And I was just like, like I said, he has a tight nine foot table. And it was really tough. And uh, I was just like, wow. It was just one of those moments, like, I'm in stroke. <laughs> just yeah. started. And I, and, I, and I got in stroke before I even went to the pool hall. So once I got to the pool hall, I was like, okay, I got a, you know, I had a much better attitude, you yeah. know, practice. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, a lot of times it's just putting it, just practicing for like half hour, hour, a few hours, you know, something like that before a tournament. That's, sometimes that's all it takes, you know, or a lot of times I've played in tournaments where I practice like crap right before the tournament, but then 
something clicked once the tournament started. But uh, but yeah, with him, yeah, TJ, he just played a challenge match with Shane Winters just within this past year. I think they put up like 10,000 or 5,000, wow. something like that. It was a big challenge match. It was live streamed and and it was best two out of three sets, I believe. And I think it came down to the very last game and uh, it was just a heartbreaker. Shane Winters ended up winning. Oh, wow. Um, he, I, I heard it was just like spectacular pool play, like just, I mean, runouts like crazy. I, I think they maybe both struggled with their break a little bit, but it was just superb play um, yeah. from what I heard. I mean, like I said earlier, TJ is just a, a great player and, you know, sky's the limit for how good he, you know, wants to get as far as how much time he wants to put in. And, and Shane yeah. Winter, uh, he, I don't know much about him. I, I've only played him a couple times, I think, but uh, when, you know, I don't know that I, heard much about him whatever but you know he just <laughs> or uh i'm trying to be polite here i guess but one way of wording is that he's very confident and some other people might use a different word there but i can appreciate that you know as a pool player it's just like that's something that you know i want to get better at is to be more confident i've heard yeah. you know like he's just a very confident player and, and that's something uh i think that would help anybody just to find a way to be more confident yeah so um you know when you were talking about uh hitting balls and getting in stroke before that match it made me think of like one of the moves that i used to try uh when we had tournaments in a room that had a 12-foot snooker table mm -hmm. i try to get there early and grab pool balls and go shoot balls on the snooker table because that thing looks like a football field you know right. and i felt like if i could dial in and start making shots on that 12-foot snooker table then the tightest nine foot table felt like a Valley bar box. You know, right, yeah. it was like, so I would do that all the time whenever I could, you know, but it's hard to find those 12 foot snooker tables now, you know? Sure. Yeah. I've heard about people doing that with, they'll practice on a nine foot and then go play in a seven foot tournament. That way all the yeah. shots up the tournament. Yeah. Uh, easy. But, uh, I don't like for me personally, like I use a different stroke on a bigger table. I, I keep my head up a little higher. I, you know, maybe look a little farther through the ball or something like that. Um, so I don't know, like I like to practice on the si same size table that I'm going to play the tournament in myself. But yeah. Do you have any ideas for growing pool in the United States? You know, it's been, it's been a tough period of time, I think. Um, and I think there is some hope and resurgence with the thing Matchroom is doing with the Moscone cup and, you know, the big tournaments now out in Vegas, uh, but do you have any thoughts around that, like ideas sure. for how we could grow the game? Yeah, like so. One one thought I actually toyed with the idea of trying to run some tournaments myself, maybe like professional tournaments or something. I was I remember talking to Alan Hopkins years ago. Just you know, it was just dabbling with the idea. I never really got very far with it at all, but it just sounded like a fun idea, and I wanted to help you know promote the sport, like what you're doing, which is great. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Um, so like a couple things. Uh, so like they have these huge national amateur tournaments or regional tournaments um, that they have that just bring in hundreds or thousands, thousands of uh, pool players that want to watch pros and they're already there at this venue or whatever. So have more pro events at the same time as these national or big regional amateur tournaments. Mm -hmm. And that you have a huge crowd watching, you get, uh, you can charge more uh, for at the gate um as far as like getting televised i think the women uh the women's pro tour for a while had it right like they were just being very professional i think they were calling around doing the right things trying to find sponsorship um just like 
I don't know, the women just had their act together better and they were getting on TV a lot more than the men were. Um, for, and this is a while ago now. I mean, now I, I haven't seen Cole on TV in quite a while, which yeah. is obviously disappointing. You might see like a trick shot, uh, you know, exhibition or competition once in a while, which, you know, that's easy for people to watch at a bar and be like, oh, that's co- so cool. And, you know, and I do that myself. I'd see some stuff on Facebook once in a while and I'd be like, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm sure, you know, like you and I both, I mean, like most of the trick shots we see, we can do ourselves if we just give ourselves enough tries. Yeah. And, you know, just practice them and, and they're fun and everything, but they're, they're just fun to watch. Um, something like, uh, like I play volleyball and watch an AVP on TV. And so what they'll do is they'll be watching one match, but then they'll have like a, you know, the end of another match on another court that they'll kind of just highlight for just a, like a minute or something. And they'll come back to the same match. Yeah. So have, when there are multiple matches coming on, not just stick to the one match, like highlight some other matches and maybe they did that or do that. Uh, I don't know. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, no, I like that. And, you know, I think you're, you're, you're correct. It's like when you watch, like the thing to me to look at is poker. Right. When you watch poker, the World Series of Poker, there's a feature table, but then they're going out and they're highlighting people and stories and oh, this this person lost his leg and, you know, and now he's a great poker player or this person, you know, and some of them aren't even great poker players. You know, it's just this person, you know, is a mailman and now he's a poker player, you know, and. It's kind of cool. And I think that's that's one thing where if we can get out of the mindset of one feature table, you know, with two players playing a game that honestly, 90 percent of the population of this country is probably like, eh, I'll watch it for five minutes. Right. You know, but if we found a way to really highlight the personalities. Right. You know, to me, that's what we need to do. And for so long, I think it's been a battle and pull to to downplay the personalities like we, we don't whoa, whoa whoa you know <laughs> you know you dropped an f-bomb on this podcast whoa whoa, whoa you know and we got to be careful here you know but i think if it was the other way around where people were like you know what who's the phil home youth the pool you know right. somebody like earl strickland you know let's find a way to highlight just the characters that are out there and you know i don't know how that'll look but i want to encourage you and say this you know, two years ago, I had this idea to do this podcast and I did nothing for two years. And now in the last four weeks, I've been like hustling like crazy to get it done. But if yeah. you have those ideas, Scott, like act on them, you know, like look at what Alan has done with the Super Billiards Expo. I mean, what yeah. an event that is every year, you know, and I think you're on to something. I think if you could take and do something like the Super Billiards Expo in Minneapolis and Minnesota, I'm coming. You know, and, and I'll bring a bunch of people with me, you know, and we'll have fun and, and there'll be a pro tournament while we're there so that we can sweat it and watch it and enjoy it. So, well, I love your idea with the idea of backstories. Like I hadn't thought of that. It's like, yeah, have a match and then show a little clip, like a two minute clip or five minute clip or something of this person's backstory, like how they got in the pool or whatever. And just, yeah, show a little more uh, personality and get the people invested in uh, one of the players or both of the players or something and just give somebody more reason to cheer for somebody just so that they know something about them so that but yeah. don't have the technical knowledge of the game or whatever that's uh yeah i think that's a great idea the backstory have like a cutaway at your match of you you're playing shane van boning and then they cut away and it shows you playing volleyball and just smashing it on people <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So Scott, uh, we're wrapping up here, but I, I have two last questions for you. Uh, the right. first is I'm interviewing, you know, one, two people a week and we're, we're publishing these episodes. Uh, typically once a week, we're going to drop them. Uh, who else would you like to see, you know, go through this? Who else would you like to hear from and hear their story? Um, yeah, these might not necessarily be the, you know, top roles in the world, but there's some people that, you know, I like and would like to get to know more about, uh, somebody that I played a lot against back. This might be a while ago. I don't know if he plays anymore or whatever, but Stan Taranjo used to play against him a lot in Vegas. He's maybe the best team player I've ever <laughs> seen. He's just so consistent and just such a great etiquette and everything like that. I just like to know more about him. And, uh, maybe somebody like Max Everly, uh, again, like, uh, him and I have some, uh, you know, similar views and maybe alternative views on some things. And, um, like to get his take, even if it's just on pool, he just, uh, you know, he almost made the Moscone team, I think, uh, last year. And, um, yeah, um, yeah there's just a, you know, a couple ideas. Manny Chow, of course. Yeah. I, w- I was actually going to reach out to Manny the other day, but then I saw he was on a flight to Peru. So I'm like, ah, well, I guess we'll, we'll talk soon. So as a final thought, uh, anything, any closing ideas or comments or, you know, anything that you'd like to see out of this podcast or just any feedback for me? Yeah, I mean, like, wow, I watched your episode with uh, Mike Davis and, uh, you know, great guy, by the way, and great player. And uh, I was just, I was just so impressed with how professional, like, you look and have made this. And I'm just like, wow, great job. Like, I mean, I've Thank you. podcasts and stuff like this. And I would have never known that, you know, this is somewhat new to you. I'm like, you just like, you're just doing such a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure word's going to spread and you can talk to whoever you want because you got a good thing going here. So, yeah, keep doing it. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate that. And just for the folks listening, I just want them to know that, you know, with each episode, we're going to be getting better. You know, we're learning as we go here. Uh, video is going to get better. Audio is going to get better. You know, even Scott and I tonight had some technical issues in the beginning. And so, uh, but we got it worked out. And so we're going to keep trying to improve it and bring you guys great content. People like Scott Tollison. Uh, Scott, what a great episode. Thank you so much for your participation and your honesty, you know, and just just telling it like it is. I really appreciate that. And I look forward to seeing you soon. So we got to make sure to meet up and and, uh, catch up. Okay. definitely.